السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد respected listeners we gather for part 6 of our study of the hadith of Hudaybiyah from Sahih al-Bukhari. This is hadith number 2731 from Sahih al-Bukhari. وبالسند المتصل مني إلى الإمام البخاري رحمه الله قال I relate with an uninterrupted and continuous chain from me to Imam Bukhari رحمه الله who relates hadith from Miswar ibn Makhramah radiyallahu an and Marwan ibn al-Hakam who both relate this lengthy hadith about <coughs> the events of the sixth year of Hijrah when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left Medina with the intention of performing Umrah and then upon his arrival near Mecca he was barred from entering the holy city a lot took place on the journey and also at his final halt in the area of hudaybiyah and we've already covered all of that in detail the part where we reached last week was where the hadith mentions and as i explained in detail using other narrations that a number of messengers were sent from both camps to the other so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent uthman ibn affan radiyallahu an and before him another companion and before them the quraysh had sent a number of their ambassadors to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam following this exchange and following various other major incidents finally suhail ibn amr came and when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saw suhail ibn amr coming from a distance he made a comment and this is where we stopped last week qala ma'mar so ma'mar one of the narrators relates fa akhbarni ayyub an ikrima that ayyub informed me from ikrima انه لما جاء سهيل بن عمرو when سهيل بن عمرو came قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said 
لقد سهل لكم من أمركم that part of your affair has now become easy for you. I've already explained the significance of the Prophet ﷺ boding well and auguring well from the name of Suhail ibn Amr. So I won't say anything about that now. The hadith continues. قَالَ مَعْمَرٌ قَالَ الزُّهْرِيُّ فِي حَدِيثِ مَعْمَرُ Zuhri says in his hadith. فَجَاءَ Suhail ibn Amr. So Suhail ibn Amr came. Now, what had happened before that, as I said, the Muslims were in their camp at Hudaybiyah, and Suhail ibn Amr was sent by the Quraysh to the Prophet ﷺ. The difference between Suhail ibn Amr and the other messengers before him is that now the Quraysh had realized the weakness and futility of their position. So they had now actually become inclined to entering into some sort of agreement with the Prophet ﷺ. And this was unprecedented for the first time since his emigration from Mecca. And after all these battles and this ongoing war and conflict with the Messenger ﷺ, Finally, and even till just a few days earlier, when the Quraysh were adamant on actually fighting with him, now a sudden change had come over the Quraysh. They had come to a realization. And so, very reluctantly, they told Suhail ibn Amr that you go and see if you can come to some sort of agreement with Muhammad. So he was their representative. Why choose Suhail ibn Amr? Because Suhail ibn Amr, who was he? He was one of the chieftains of the Quraysh from Banu Amr. And he was very senior in age. He was a trader, a merchant, well-known. He was extremely eloquent. He had also visited other regions on behalf of the Quraysh. And he was known for his eloquence. In fact, he was regarded as the khatib of the Quraysh, meaning the orator of the Quraysh. Remarkably, his two sons had both embraced Islam long before. But he was adamant. And despite his intelligence and his wisdom, he refused to believe. And not only that, but he imprisoned and shackled his own sons and actually tortured them. And the story was that his older son, he was known as Abdullah ibn Suhail ibn Amr. So his older son had embraced Islam. And this was in the very early days of Mecca. Unfortunately, his father prevented him from doing hijrah with the Prophet ﷺ. And when he realized that he may depart, or he was actually departing, he had him imprisoned and in his own home. In the Battle of Badr, in the second year of hijrah, his eldest son, Abdullah, he 
feigned disbelief. And he told his father that since you are now going out, that I was with Muhammad before because of his preaching and his message. But now that we are at war with him and we will actually battle with him, for the Battle of Badr was the first full conflict between the Muslims of Medina and the Quraysh of Mecca. So Abdullah, the son of Suhail, said to his father that I will join my people, I will stand with you side by side against Muhammad. So the father was joyful and he released him from his imprisonment at home. And then Abdullah, the son of Suhail, joined the Quraysh. When the two camps, the two armies, faced each other at the wells of Badr, right at the last minute, finding an opportunity, Abdullah fled from the Quraysh camp over to the Muslims. So this was all a ruse on his part. This was merely a ploy for him to escape his father's punishment. And his explanation was that he did all of this. He could have just remained in Mecca as a believer, as one of the prisoners. But he did all of this because his heart's desire was to stand with the Messenger of Allah on that day. So his father was very grieved by this Suhail ibn Amr. And then he made sure that his second son, who was known as Al-As, and his kunya was Abu Jandal, his real name was Al-As ibn Suhail, but his kunya was Abu Jandal. So he made sure that the younger brother Abu Jandal was imprisoned and monitored very, very carefully so that he would not repeat what his brother had done. So Abu Jandal remained in his father's home prison. And then in the sixth year of Hijrah, since the Quraysh respected Suhail ibn Amr for his oratory, for his position, for his steadfastness, on his position of opposing the Muslims. And because of his wisdom and his diplomatic skills, they said to him, fine, you go and negotiate on our behalf with Muhammad and come to some sort of agreement. So Suhail ibn Amr came. And as I mentioned last week, there was someone else there who had come just before him, known as Mikraz ibn Hafs. So now Mikraz ibn Hafs and Suhail ibn Amr they both stood together to speak to the Prophet ﷺ. Mikraz ibn Hafs was already there. And Suhail ibn Amr came from a distance. So when the Prophet ﷺ saw, in fact, when he saw Mikraz, what did he say? That this is a traitor, he's a very treacherous man. But when he saw Suhail ibn Amr, Prophet ﷺ said, here comes Suhail ibn Amr, and verily, Part of your affair has now become sahl, meaning easy. فَجَاءَ سُهَيْلُ بْنُ عَمْرُ سُهَيْلُ بْنُ عَمْرُ came. فَقَالَ هَاتِي أُكْتُبْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ كِتَابًا And he said, come. Write a document between us. And although it's not mentioned here, what he did is that Suhail ibn Amr came. When the Prophet ﷺ saw him, knowing his background, that he was... Uh, a senior chieftain of the Quraysh, unlike all the others who had come before. This was a very senior chieftain of the Quraysh. He was known for his diplomatic skills. 
and his oratory and his senior position in age, when the Prophet ﷺ saw him, not only did he augur well from his appearance, but he actually said, it appears that the Quraysh now seek some sort of reconciliation and that they do seek some sort of agreement because they have sent Suhail ibn Amr. So when Suhail ibn Amr came, he went into the tent of the Messenger ﷺ and he discussed a number of things at length with the Prophet ﷺ. So lengthy negotiations took place. And then eventually, when they had some sort of agreement and understanding, Suhail ibn Amr said, come, let us now register this as a document of a truce and a settlement between us. So this is what it refers to. Hathi, come. Uktub wa Let's write and register a document between us. فَدَعَنْ نَبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ الْكَاتِبِ So the Prophet ﷺ called the scribe. And who was the scribe? Ali ibn Abi Talib رضي الله فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ Now, over here, before I actually discuss the, the document, over here in this particular hadith, not all of the details are mentioned. So let me tell you what was the discussion and what was finally agreed. Lengthy discussions took place. And Suhail ibn Amr was part of those discussions, along with Mikraz ibn Hafs, who had already come. Those two on behalf of the Quraysh. And the Prophet ﷺ. The main negotiator was Suhail ibn Amr. Ultimately, four things were agreed between the Prophet ﷺ on behalf of the Muslims and the Suhail ibn Amr on behalf of the Quraysh. Number one, because the Prophet ﷺ had traveled from Medina to Mecca with the intention of performing the Umrah, and he had been barred from entering the holy city just on the outskirts, at the edge of the city, a few miles away. So the first demand of the Prophet ﷺ was that you allow us entry into the holy city now and enable us to complete our umrah, our last pilgrimage, and then return safely. So... Suhail ibn Amr refused and said that cannot happen. We will never allow the Arabs to say that the Quraysh were overwhelmed and overpowered and compelled to allow the Muslims to enter the city. So we will never allow that. But what we will agree is that next year you can come back and complete the Umrah next year, but not this year. And all of this was simply to save face, so that no one would say that they were compelled to allow the Muslims to enter the city. They wanted to make a point of sending them back to Medina, and only allowing them to come the next year. So he refused. So the Prophet ﷺ actually accepted that fine, we won't enter the holy city. They were on the outskirts a few miles away. And he said, we won't enter the city. We will return next year. And as part of the agreement in relation to the Umrah, the conditions were 
that the Muslims would come exactly a year later in the same month of Dhul-Qa'dah. Furthermore, they, upon their arrival in the holy city, the Quraysh would vacate the city. Why? <clears throat> the Quraysh couldn't stand the idea of remaining in the holy city at the same time as the Muslims. So they said, we will vacate the city and retreat to the mountains and the hills surrounding Mecca. And you can only enter the city without weapons. So you cannot be armed and you cannot be carrying weapons. Illa which means except for the casual weapon of the traveller. Because the Arabs, on a daily basis, when they would travel and in fact on their person, even within the cities, they would be armed. Not fully armed for battle and clad in armour, but the normal everyday weaponry that each individual would keep with them. So this was the casual weaponry that every individual would have. Knives, daggers, or at least a sword. So Sahil ibn Amr said that next year you can't enter the holy city with any weapons except for the normal weaponry that the traveller carries with him. And even that should be sheathed. It cannot be bared. And you can only stay in the holy city for three days. And this is all for next year. So that was the first condition. That the Muslims would be allowed to enter the city and complete their umrah, but a year later, in this manner. The second condition that was agreed, which the Quraysh demanded. So the first thing the Prophet ﷺ demanded, that we want to enter the holy city this year, now, and complete our umrah. That was denied, except for the coming year in this manner. The, sec- the second condition was a demand of the Quraysh. And the demand was that any individual who leaves Mecca and joins the Muslim in, Muslims in Medina, the Muslims are under an obligation to return him to Mecca. Because... Mecca was a city-state. Medina was a city-state. And by leaving Mecca, a person renounced their... Although there was never any formal citizenship, but by leaving Mecca in these conditions at that time, as I've explained in detail in the Hadith of Hijrah, leaving Mecca meant renouncing one's citizenship of Mecca, one's alliance with the people of Mecca, one's protection of the city-state of Mecca. And it meant joining and becoming a member of another city-state, another community, with all the political and security ramifications. So the Quraysh said, anyone who leaves Mecca and travels to you and joins you in Medina, You must return them to us. However, if anyone from Medina travels to Mecca and joins us, then we are under no obligation to return them to you. Eventually, the Prophet ﷺ accepted this condition too. 
The third condition was that both sides would lay down their arms and enter into a truce for ten years. So this wasn't a permanent treaty. This was merely a truce for ten years. So for ten years there will be no fighting between us. We will lay down our arms. And in these ten years there will be no treachery, no betrayal, no carrying of... no raising of weapons against the other, no harm to the other, and quite simply we will pause our war and conflict. So we'll enter into a truce for ten years. The Prophet ﷺ and the Quraysh, both of them accepted this, and this was the agreement for ten years. And finally, the fourth agreement was something that the Prophet ﷺ suggested, which is, that this agreement that we have between us, this truce, anyone who wishes to join us, the Muslims, i.e. align themselves with us, they can do so. And anyone, and they will be party to the truce, and bound by all the agreements. And anyone who wishes to join the Quraysh can join them. They will be bound by the agreement. So, it was accepted. And as soon as that happened, there were others in the tent at the time. What have I mentioned about the Prophet wasallam's allies and natural supporters, both Muslim and non-Muslim, the tribe of Khuzar, the tribe that was originally driven out of Mecca by the Quraysh, and who then ended up out of the city some generations before, some of them were Muslim, but a lot of them were still non-Muslim. But they, because of their enmity of the Quraysh, my enemy's enemy is my friend, they decided to befriend the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ accepted their friendship. And that the spy that he dispatched to Mecca was a member of the Khuzar. And the Khuzar were the ones who would report everything to Rasulullah ﷺ in Medina of the goings-on in Mecca al-Mukarramah. So the Khuzara were present there. So as soon as the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever wishes to join the Muslims in this agreement, then they are welcome to do so, and the Quraysh must honor that. And whoever wishes to join the Quraysh, then the Muslims will accept that and honor it. So as soon as that was agreed, the Khuzara who were present there, they leapt up and said, we join the Muslims. And the Banu Bakr, who were the enemies of the Khuzara, they said, we join the Quraysh. Now this detail is important because, and I may explain this sometime later, but I've already covered this in detail in my tafsir of Surah Al-Dajah and Asrullah Wal-Fatih. And in the hadith of the conquest of Mecca, when I've, when I've covered parts of it, that what was the reason and the backdrop to the conquest of Makkah al-Mukarramah just two years later. It was this. The Quraysh stuck to their agreements. They didn't. Well, they stuck to the, they stuck to the agreements apparently. In that they didn't harm the Muslims directly. But the allies of the Muslims were the Khuzar. 
and the allies of the Quraysh, who, who are they who join them in this truce? The Banu Bakr. So the Banu Bakr decided to launch a surprise attack on the Khuzar. And in that attack, the Quraysh did not send any men, but they lent them weapons and armor. So the Khuzar then came to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina and told him that we are your allies and we were part of the truce of Hudaybiyah by virtue of that agreement. And although the Quraysh haven't attacked us directly, their allies, for whom the Quraysh are responsible, their allies attacked us treacherously, and ambushed some of our men and killed a group of our men. So we now seek revenge. And subhanAllah, the Khuza'ah are a very powerful tribe, but they couldn't stand up to the Quraysh, one. Two, on this occasion, the position of Rasulullah in Arabia was now supreme, even before the conquest of Mecca. This is why the Khuza'a came to him for help and say, we want revenge, we want your help. Will you honor us? Will you honor the agreement? So the Prophet ﷺ said, we will honor the agreement. So even though the, the, there had been no direct conflict between the Quraysh and the Muslims after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the allies of the Quraysh, the Banu Bakr, they launched an attack on the allies of the Muslims, the Khuza'ah. And that was the reason for the Prophet ﷺ marching from Medina two years later and taking over the city of Mecca. So it was on this occasion that the fourth article of the truce was something the Prophet ﷺ suggested himself, which is that this agreement is between us, the Muslims and the Quraysh. But whoever amongst the tribes wishes to join any one of the two parties, they are welcome to do so, and the other side will agree to that and honor it. So the Khuza'ah leapt up and said, we join the Muslims. And the Banu Bakr, who were the rivals of the Khuza'ah, they said, we will join the Quraysh. So that detail is significant because they were the two tribes responsible for the events that led to the conquest of Makkah al-Mukarramah two years later. So this was the fourth part, fourth article of the treaty. And upon these four articles of the treaty, both the Quraysh and the Muslims signed the document. And here, Suhail ibn Amr said, come, bring a document, register and sign a document between us. So the Prophet wasallam he summoned the scribe Ali ibn Abi Talib. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ so the Prophet sallallahu said, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. He was dictating to Ali radiallahu anhu. So he said, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. By the name of Allah. The gracious, the most merciful. Qala Suhailun. I prefer the translation of by the name of Allah rather than in the name. 
detailed reasons from the Arabic language, but that's my translation. Not in the name, but rather by the name. Both are correct, but by the name of Allah provides a more accurate, more faithful translation of the original Arabic wording, and it's a bit more comprehensive as well. So by the name of Allah, the gracious, the most merciful. Just uh, just to mention that, um, in a way, this is a reflection of the phrase of the Trinity. Because the words and the phrase of the Trinity is used all the time in prayers and blessings and benedictions in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. So in prayers, in churches, in well, in prayers, in blessings, in benedictions, in baptism in baptisms, in christenings, in marriages, in virtually every single thing, this phrase is always used in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. So three parts and the Islamic version is Bismillah. By the name of Allah, Ar-Rahman, the Gracious, Ar-Rahim, the Most Merciful. And there is no confusion here about three in one and one in three. And the three, are they one of three parts or are they three distinct beings? Rather, it's Allah, who is Ar-Rahman, who is Ar-Rahim. So, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was dictating. So he said, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Qala Suhailun. Suhail immediately objected. Qala Suhailun. Suhail said, Amr Rahman. As for Rahman, you said Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. As for Rahman, for Allah ma adri ma huwa. So by Allah, I don't know who he is. Because the Quraysh, for some reason, they refuse to recognize Rahman as one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of them, they would say to the Muslims, that when you say Allah and Ar-Rahman, are you worshipping one god or two gods? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Say, say to them, O Messenger of Allah, call out to Allah or to Rahman, or say Allah Rahman. Whichever of these two names you call out, So truly to Allah belong all the beautiful names. So whether you say Allah or whether you say Ar-Rahman, you are referring to one and the same person. So Suhail said, You said Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. As for Ar-Rahman, Allah we know. Ar-Rahman, I don't know who he is. وَلَكِنْ اِكْتُبْ 
Rather write, don't write Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, we don't recognize that. Rather write, Bismikallahumma, by your name, O Allah. Because the Quraysh would use the same phrase themselves, Bismikallahumma, that in your name, O Allah, or by your name, O Allah. So, he said, وَلَكِنْ اِكْتُبْ Don't write, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Rather write, Bismikallahumma, by your name, O Allah, كَمَا كُنْتَ تَكْتُبْ Just as you used to write before. فَقَالَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ Now the Muslims were all present and they were listening. فَقَالَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ So the Muslims said, وَاللَّهِ لَا نَكْتُبُهَا إِلَّا بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ That by Allah we will only write, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ We will not write this document except with, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ and according to some narrations, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu were trying to compel Ali radiallahu anhu, write Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, اُكْتُبْ بِسْمِكَ اللَّهُمَّ Write, بِسْمِكَ اللَّهُمَّ by, by your name, O oh Allah. Why did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam accept? Remember he said earlier, this goes back to much earlier. The Muslims were seeing one thing, and thus they understood one thing. The Prophet ﷺ was being shown something else. This is why when he arrived near Hudaybiyah, before he descended to the plains of Hudaybiyah, what happened? Aswa, his camel, sat down. And refused to move forward. As we've covered in the hadith, the companions began saying, Hal, hal, rise, rise, move, move. But he wouldn't move. So the companions said that it's become stubborn and obstinate and difficult. So the Prophet ﷺ told them, It has not become stubborn or difficult. And nor is it the character of my camel qaswa to become stubborn or difficult. وَلَكِنْ حَبَسَهَا حَابِسُ الْفِيلِ Rather, that one who stopped the elephants from the city of Mecca has also stopped qaswa. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, what's the significance of that? That he, the same one stopped. If the Prophet ﷺ had continued at that moment with Qaswa and gone further, without any change, the two groups of the Muslims and the Quraysh who had come, down, come out of Mecca ready for battle, they would have met and clashed. But that's not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had planned. Allah had planned for that occasion to be the moment of change. So nobody else could see it, but the Prophet ﷺ was being shown. And that's when the Prophet ﷺ said that this, on this day, meaning now, if the Quraysh present any plan or option to me, in which they honor the sanctities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will agree to it. And it was after that that Qaswa rose and the Prophet ﷺ continued with his journey. So Rasulullah was looking far ahead. 
He overlooked the insults. He overlooked the lopsidedness of the whole treaty. He overlooked the short-term loss, or apparent short-term loss, in favor of the long-term vision and the ultimate victory that was being shown by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he compromised on everything. He agreed. And it wasn't a, a compromise from a position of weakness. It was wisdom. It was forbearance. Imagine. The Prophet ﷺ said, we will enter the city this year. The Quraysh said, no. We will never allow the Arabs to say that we were overwhelmed and overpowered and compelled to allow you entry into the city. They never said no forever. They said next year. They wanted to save face. They wanted to retain some sort of honor and dignity. And they wanted to make the Muslims look weak and small and belittle them. By forcing them to travel back to Medina, wait for a whole year and come back. What did the Prophet sallallahu do? The Sahaba radiallahu anhum were furious. What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa do? Fine. How does it change things? We will still get to do Umrah. We will still enter the city of Mecca. Albeit 12 months late. We will be patient and wait for 12 months. Momentarily, the Quraysh will feel proud. And feel as though they've scored a minor victory in forcing us to go back to Medina. Let them relish that momentary enjoyment. That momentary gleefulness and glory. It's only a matter of one year. And we will return to Medina. There is no disgrace for us in doing so. Disgrace is not what we think it is. Izza, honor is not what we think it is. As Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْعِزَّةُ وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَكِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ to Allah belongs honor, and to his messenger, and to the mu'mineen, the believers. But the hypocrites do not know. What we consider to be izzah, honor, is often disgrace in the sight of Allah. And what we consider to be some sort of humiliation, is honor in the sight of Allah. Prophet ﷺ said, there are many who are covered in dust and disheveled, who are repelled from the doors. People slam the doors shut in their faces and turn them away because of their appearance and because of their apparent lowliness. But these same individuals who are disheveled, unkempt, covered in dust and turned away from the doors... Prophet says, لو أقسم على الله If that individual was to take an oath in the name of Allah, Allah would make sure that his oath would go fulfilled. His oath will be fulfilled. And Allah will take care of that because of their position in the sight of Allah. So that's another topic in itself. But Prophet accepted. 
When the Quraysh, when Suhail said, write, Bismillahumma, as you used to write, and don't write, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, it didn't change things. The Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, were furious over just one, two words, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And Suhail said, no, just Bismillahumma, only by the name of Allah, by your, in your name, O oh Allah. So the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa said, fine. He said, Uktub bismikallahumma. Ali, write down bismikallahumma. By, by your name, O oh Allah. Thumma qaal. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Hatha ma qada alayhi Muhammadun Rasulullah. So this is the next line. So he wanted to say bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Suhail said, no, bismikallahumma. He accepted. Then the next line. هَذَا مَا قَاضَى عَلَيْهِ مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ This is what Muhammad, Allah's messenger, has agreed. That's what the Prophet ﷺ said. Immediately, Suhail objected. فَقَالَ سُهَيْلٌ So Suhail said, وَاللَّهِ لَوْ كُنَّا نَعْنَمُ أَنَّكَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ By Allah, if we knew that you were the messenger of Allah, مَا صَدَدْنَاكَ عَنِ الْبَيْتِ We would have never prevented you from the house of Allah. وَلَا قَاتَلْنَاكَ and nor would we have ever fought you. So he instantly picked up on the words, Rasulullah. That why do you want to write the Messenger of Allah in the document of truce between us? By Allah, if we ever knew that you were, and if we ever believed that you, or recognized you as being a Messenger of Allah, we would have never stopped you from the house of Allah, nor would we have fought you. No. وَلَكِنْ اِكْتُبْ Rather write, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Muhammad the son of Abdullah. That's your name, isn't it? Again, the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum erupted. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet said, وَاللَّهِ إِنِّي لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَإِنْ كَذَّبْتُمُونِي Indeed, I am surely the messenger of Allah, even though you reject me. Uktub. But then he still said to Ali radiallahu an Uktub, right? Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Muhammad the son of Abdullah. Qala Zuhriyu. Zuhri, who's one of the narrators, Ibn Shihab Zuhri is one of the narrators of the hadith. He says, he explains, and this is because of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, لا يسألوني خطة يعذمون فيها حرمات الله إلا أعطيتهم إياها. And this is because of his word, Prophet ﷺ's word, that they will not ask me about any plan in which they revere the sanctities of Allah, except that I will give it to them. Zuhri merely is explaining here, he's one of the narrators of the hadith, Zuhri, ibn Muhammad ibn Muslim ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. He says that, the reason the Prophet ﷺ compromised on the name Bismillahirrahmanirrahim and agreed to Bismillahumma. And the reason he compromised on the phrase Muhammadun Rasulullah and agreed to simply write Muhammad ibn Abdullah, the son of Abdullah, was because, remember what he said earlier when Qaswa sat down, that the Quraysh will not present any plan to me in which they revere the sanctities of Allah, except that I will give that plan to them and agree to it. So his compromise was because of that. 
So the Zuhri continues with the hadith. فَقَالُ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ So the Prophet وسلم, said, and this is the condition, one of the conditions that he wanted, which is, عَلَىٰ أَن تُخَلُّوا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ الْبَيْتِ فَنَطُوفَ بِهِ That this agreement is, this is what Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, has agreed. That you will leave the way for us to the house. So you will empty, vacate the path between us and between and the house of Allah. فَنَطُوفَ بِهِ So that we may perform the tawaf around the Kaaba. فَقَالَ سُهَيْلٌ So Suhail again objected. وَاللَّهِ لَا تَتَحَدَّثُ الْعَرَبِ By Allah, the Arabs will never speak. أَنَّا أُخِذْنَا ضُغْتَةً that we were taken by force and compulsion. وَلَكِنْ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْعَامِ الْمُقْبِلِ Rather, this will be in the coming year. وَذَلِكَ مِنَ الْعَامِ الْمُقْبِلِ Rather, this will be in the coming year. فَكَتَبْ So the Prophet ﷺ agreed to that as well and wrote it. And I've explained the details of that condition, that this will be in the coming year. The Quraysh will vacate the city of Mecca for three days. The Muslims will enter, perform their Umrah, stay in the holy city for three days, but no more, and that they will not be allowed to enter with unsheathed weapons. And they won't be able to come clad in armor or with heavy weapons, rather just the normal daily casual weaponry. فَقَالَ Suhailun, And then Suhail said, and this was his offer, this was his term which he wanted. وَعَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لَا يَأْتِيكَ مِنَّا And that we agree that no man will come to you from us. وَإِنْ كَانَ عَلَىٰ دِينِكَ Even though he may be upon your religion. إِلَّا رَدَدَّهُ إِلَيْنَا Except that you will return him to us. قَالَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ So the Muslims said, Subhanallah. Allah be glorified. كَيْفَ يُرَدُّ إِلَى الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَقَدْ جَاءَ مُسْلِمًا How should he be returned to the pagans when he has come as a Muslim? Allah Akbar. فَبَيْنَمَا هُمْ كَذَلِكَ So whilst they were still discussing and writing and recording this agreement, إِذْ دَخَلَ أَبُوْ جَنْدَلِ بْنُ سُهَيْلِ بْنِ عَمْرِ when Abu Jandal, the son of Suhail ibn Amr, came, يَرْصُفُ فِي قُيُودِهِ Oh, he entered, he actually entered the tent. يَرْصُفُ فِي قُيُودِهِ Shuffling along in his shackles. وَقَدْ خَرَجَ مِنْ أَسْفَلِ مَكَّةَ And he had come from the low, he had left the city from the lower part of Mecca. حَتَّى رَمَى بِنَفْسِهِ Until he threw himself بَيْنَ أَظْهُرِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Between the Muslims. فَقَالَ سُهَيْلٌ So Suhail said, هَذَا يَا مُحَمَّدٌ Oh Muhammad, هَذَا This أَوَّلُ مَا أُقَاضِيكَ عَلَيْهِ أَن تَرُدَّهُ إِلَيَّ That this is the first person that I will ask you to honor the agreement by agreeing to return him to me. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّا لَمْ نَقْضِ الْكِتَابَ بَعْدِ That we have not concluded the document yet. 
قال سهيل said فوالله إذا لم أصالح إذا لا أصالحك على شيء أبدا he said in that case by Allah I will never agree any truce with you again قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأجزه لي let this one pass for me قال سهيل said ما أنا بمجيزه لك I'm not going to let this one pass for you Meaning, I'm not going to allow this one for you. قال بلا, so the Prophet وسلم, said, Nay, ففعل, do it. قال ما أنا بفاعل. I am not going to do it. قال مكرز. Subhanallah. A few, th- a few things here. Who was Abu Jandal? As I explained earlier, this was the youngest son of Suhail ibn Amr. He had imprisoned him at home, and he was a prisoner. But when he learned that the Muslims were in Hudaybiyah, just like his older brother Abdullah ibn Suhail ibn Amr had escaped many years earlier by pretending to be with the Quraysh in the Battle of Badr, and then defecting to the other camp just before the battle, Abu Jandal he somehow managed to break free. But he broke free, not entirely, but somehow he managed to escape the location of the imprisonment at the house. But he was still bound. Allah Akbar, he was still bound. And somehow he left the city of Mecca. And in the heat of Arabia, across the desert for a few miles, he shuffled in his shackles. And he arrived in the camp of Hudaybiyah. And lo and behold, he arrived whilst his father, Suhail ibn Amr, was negotiating with the Prophet ﷺ. And he came and he threw himself at the feet of the Muslims. And he was still bound in his fetters. And he was pleading with the Muslims, save me. So when Suhail ibn Amr saw him, it's not mentioned here, but in another narration we learned, when he saw his own son, his anger was such, and his opposition to the Muslims was such, that in front of everyone, he went to his son and he slapped him. And we're talking about an adult son, not a child, and he slapped him. Then he turned to the Prophet ﷺ, and he said, what we have just agreed, that if anyone comes from Mecca, to you, even though he's on your religion, you will return him to us. Well, this is the first fulfillment of that condition that I seek from you. I demand of you that you return him to me. So, uh, Abu Jandal. Now, subhanallah, this is something to note. The value of one Muslim in the sight of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One Muslim. Suhail ibn Amr said to him, Bismillahir Rahman, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Ali radiyallahu an writes, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Suhail ibn Amr said, Ar Rahman, Wallahi ma adri man huwa. By Allah, I don't know who Rahman is. You can't write Rahman, write Bismillahumma only. 
Without Rahman, without Rahim. Muslims were angry. What did the Prophet ﷺ do? In fact, he didn't even negotiate. He didn't argue. He didn't plead. Even though it was to do with the dignity of Allah, with the name of Allah. Prophet ﷺ said, fine. Write. Bismillahumma. Don't write a Rahman, a Rahim. Then the second part, هَذَا مَا قَادَ عَلَيْهِ مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ This is what Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, agrees on. Straight away, Suhail said, Rasulullah, we don't recognize you as a Messenger of Allah. If we recognize you as a Messenger of Allah, we would have never fought you, never prevented you. No, right? Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. The Muslims became enraged. Even though this was to do with him, himself. The Prophet ﷺ did not negotiate that point, did not plead, did not request, did not insist on it, did not repeat it second time. All he said was, By Allah, I am truly the Messenger of Allah, even though you may reject me. Ali, write, Muhammad the son of Abdullah. However, when one Muslim prisoner came, and threw himself at his feet. And his own father said to him that this is the fulfillment of the condition that we've just agreed on. He is the first fulfillment of that condition. You return him to me. The Prophet ﷺ did not negotiate, did not plead, did not seek a solution. For the name of Allah al-Rahman, or for his own position as a messenger of Allah. But for one single Muslim prisoner, he said, But we haven't concluded the agreement. That was the first plea. We haven't concluded the agreement, so we don't have to return him to you. So Hail said, well in that case, by Allah, we'll never agree anything with you. So the Prophet ﷺ said, fine. Ajizhuli, allow me this one. Allow me this one. Permit me just this one. So Suhail ibn Amr said, never, no. The Prophet ﷺ said a third time, a plea, bala fafal. No, please, do it. Permit him for me. Sahil ibn Amr said no. It's remarkable that the Prophet ﷺ made every attempt to negotiate, to plead, plead with Sahil, to change Sahil's mind about one single Muslim, one single soul, one life, one individual. Regardless of what they may have agreed on about Allah and about the Messenger. Sallallahu alayhi Subhanallah. We are more offended by symbolism rather than actual things. Whereas the Prophet Sallallahu was more concerned about actual things rather than symbolism. We become enraged because of one 
perceived insult against Allah or His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa And we are senseless, impervious to actual insults, to actual injustice, to actual <coughs> suffering, to actual pain. The contrast between us and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is remarkable. They refuse to recognize Allah as a Rahman. He said, fine, right, Bismillahumma. They refuse to recognize him as a messenger of Allah in the document. He said, fine, I am the messenger of Allah, even though you may reject me. Right, Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. One poor, humble Muslim came, threw himself at their feet. He was fettered and shackled. And the Prophet ﷺ tried everything. Negotiated, pleaded, tried to convince and change the mind of Suhail ibn Amr. He humbled himself. He humbled himself in order to free, release and help Abu Jindal. He didn't try with the name Rahman. He didn't try with the position Rasulullah. But he made every effort for Abu Jandal. So he said, فَأَجِزْهُلِي Allow him for me. Permit, this me. permit me this one. He said, no. بَلَا فَفْعَلُ No, please do it. Nay, do it. قَالَ مَا أَنَا بِفَاعِلَ I'm not going to do it. قَالَ مِكْرَزْ مِكْرَزْ said, بَلْ قَدْ أَجَزْنَاهُ لَكْ Okay, we allow it for you. Qala Abu Jandal. Abu Jandal. Now what happened? What happened is, Mikra, remember I told you Mikra ibn Hafs was there with him, but he was the one who came just before Suhail ibn Amr. But he wasn't the main person. The negotiator was Suhail ibn Amr. Mikra ibn Hafs had no position besides Suhail ibn Amr. So Mikra said, بَلْ قَدْ أَجَزْنَاهُ لَكْ Okay, we allow this one for you. But Suhail ibn Amr, it's not mentioned here, Suhail ibn Amr didn't accept that. Because one, he was the father, and he was the main negotiator. So although Mikras said, fine, we permit it for you, we allow you this one, Suhail ibn Amr did not accept. As a result of which, Abu Jandal had to be returned. So when he had to be returned, it's mentioned in other narrations that he began screaming at the top of his voice. Abu Jandal radiallahu anhu. On the floor, on the ground, he began screaming at the top of his voice, pleading with the Muslims. Muslims were weeping and crying. And he said, Ay qala Abu Jandal, Abu Jandal radiallahu anhu said, Ay ma'ashar al-Muslimin, O assembly of Muslims, uraddu ila al-mushrikeen wa qajjitu muslima. Will I be returned to the pagans when I have come as a Muslim? says here, Do you not see what I have borne? Do you not see what I have faced? Because there were marks of torture. <coughs> and the narrator says, And indeed he had been tortured, a severe torturing for the sake of Allah. Now, he was then dragged away. 
And as Suhail, his father, was leading him away, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu was furious. So he followed Suhail ibn Amr. And the Prophet, it's not mentioned here, but in another narration, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam calmly said to Suhail, that, uh, he said to Abu Jandal, he said, oh Abu Jandal, be patient and hope for a reward from Allah. For soon Allah will release you and Allah will create a deliverance for you and the other Muslims who are oppressed in Mecca. Then Suhail ibn Amr was carried away by, sorry, Abu Jandal was carried away by his father and his father's henchmen. And Umar radiallahu anhu in one narration is mentioned that he went with him. And he walked to the side of Suhail as he was being dragged away. And he was telling Suhail exactly what the Prophet said. That Suhail, be patient. Seek reward in your patience and in your predicaments and your trial with Allah. And he was repeating what the Prophet ﷺ had just said. But we can understand that Abu Bakr عن, repeating what the Prophet ﷺ said. But Umar عن, repeating exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said. Yes, he was repeating, but he also had something else in mind. And he says that I was telling him all of this, and I was trying to hand him my sword at the same time. <laughs> so that he would take it and strike his own father. That's what I was hoping. So Umar radiallahu anhu was Umar, because this was the rage of the Muslims. Imagine the scene that he had been tortured, a tortured prisoner was now being sent back. So that's what Umar radiallahu anhu did. He walked by his side and tried to hand him his sword. But he failed in that attempt and he came back. Then in his anger, the hadith continues. فَقَالَ Umar ibn al-Khattab so Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu an said, فَأَتَيْتُ نَبِيَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ I came to the Prophet of Allah صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ فَقُلْتُ And I said, أَلَسْتَ نَبِيَ اللَّهِ حَقَّى And the reason for saying this, the reason for the Muslims being so aggrieved, so angry, was that apparently, look at the whole treaty, they insulted Allah. They refused to recognize the name Rahman and Rahim. They insulted the Messenger of Allah. They refused to accept the words that Rasulullah in the document of, uh, of the truce. They made such a bizarre condition that anyone who comes from Mecca to Medina will be returned to us, but not the other way around. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted everything. He compromised on everything, and then what they saw with what ha- what they saw with Abu Jandal, the son of Suhail ibn Amr, a tortured prisoner who had shuffled his way out of Mecca in his fetters and shackles, thrown himself at the feet of the Muslims, and then before their very eyes, whilst they were weeping, he was dragged away again, only for his torture to continue. So Umar radiallahu anhu went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he said to him, Alasta nabiyyallahi haqqa? Are you not truly the Prophet of Allah? 
قَالَ بَلَى Prophet said, of course. قُلْتْ I said, meaning Umar radiyallahu أَذَسْنَا عَلَى الْحَقِّ Are we not upon the truth? وَعَدُوُّنَا عَلَى الْبَاطِلِ And our enemy upon falsehood? قَالَ بَلَى Prophet said, of course. قُلْتْ So I said, فَلِمَ نُعْتَ الدَّنِيَّةَ فِي دِينِنَا إِذْنَ so why are we then being given this lowly position in our religion? Qal, the Prophet ﷺ calmly said, Inni Rasulullah. Indeed, I am the Messenger of Allah. Walistu a'si, and I am not going to disobey Allah. Wahuwa nasli, and he will assist me. Qult, I said, Umar radiallahu anhu. Did you not used to relate to us? That we will come to the house of Allah and do its tawaf. Prophet said, Of course. But did I tell you that we will come to the house of Allah this year? Umar radiallahu anhu says, I said, no. Qal, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَإِنَّكَ آتِي بِهِ Then surely you will come to the house of Allah and you will do its tawaf. Qal, so Umar radiallahu anhu says, فَأَتَيْتُ أَبَا بَكْرِ So I came to Abu Bakr. فَقُلْتْ Listen to the words. فَقُلْتْ So I said, يَا أَبَا بَكْرِ أَوْ أَبُو بَكْرِ أَلَيْسَ هَذَا نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ حَقَّا Is he not the messenger, the, the Prophet of Allah truly? قَالَ بَلَى He said, of course. قُلْتْ I said, أَلَسْنَا عَلَى الْحَقِّ Are we not upon the truth? وَعَدُوُّنَا عَلَى الْبَاطِلِ And our enemy upon falsehood? قَالَ بَلَى He said, of course. قُلْتْ So I said, فَلِمَ نُعْتَ الدَّنِيَّةَ فِي دِينِنَا إِذَنْ So why are, we then be, why are we then being given this lowly position in our religion? So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, Ayyuhal rajul, O man, innahu la rasulullah. Indeed, he is a messenger of Allah. And he will not disobey his Lord. And he will assist him. So hang on to his stirrup. For wallahi innahu ala al-haqq. For by Allah, he is upon the truth. Qult, I said, أَلَيْسَ كَانَ يُحَدِّثُنَا Did he not used to relate to us, أَنَّا سَنَأْتِ الْبَيْدِ That we will come to the house of Allah, وَنَطُوفُ بِهِ And do its tawaf. قَالَ بَلَى He said, of course. أَفَأَخْبَرَكَ أَنَّكَ تَأْتِيهِ الْعَامِ But did he tell you that you will come to the house of Allah this year? قلت لا, I said, no. قال أبو بكر رضي الله عنه said فإنك آتي ومطوف به so surely you will come to the house of Allah and you will do its tawaf. As I mentioned in the hadith of Hijrah and on other previous occasions Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه through his company of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم he is the only companion whose company is mentioned in the Qur'an. Indeed, 
when they were both in the cave, when he said to his sahib, his companion, Suhbah, company has its effect. And this is why good company is vital, a good environment is vital, a good climate is vital. And the company that a a person keeps rubs off on that person. Without, without anyone realising, a person becomes coloured with the colour of his or her friends. The colour of their character. And Abu Bakr radiallahu he had spent so much time in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that it's almost as though his thoughts, his temperament, his beliefs, his character, his attitude, his thinking, and his wisdom were all totally dominated by those of Rasulullah sallallahu He thought alike, he spoke alike. And he agreed with him. This is why when Ummul Mu'mineen Khadijah radiallahu anha was approached by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam immediately after receiving wahi. And he was fearful. Khadijah radiallahu anha, Ummul Mu'mineen Khadijah radiallahu anha said to him, Bala wallahi la yukhzik Allahu abada. Nay, by Allah, Allah will never disgrace you. And then she mentioned five things. Indeed, you bond the ties of blood. rahim. And you provide for the needy and the destitute. وَتَقْسِبُ الْمَعَدُونَ And وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلْبِ You bear the burdens of other people. وَتَقْرِضْ الضَّيْفِ And you entertain guests and show them hospitality. وَتُعِينُ عَلَى نَوَائِبِ الْحَقِّ and you assist others over, the mis- over their misfortunes and calamity of fate. These are five great noble traits. You keep it good with the family, you tie the, bon- you tie the bonds of blood and kinship. You bear the burdens of others. You give and provide to the poor, needy and destitute. You show great hospitality to the guests. When people are suffering the calamities and misfortunes of time and fate, you assist them. When Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was about to, uh, when the Prophet, uh, during the early, well, during the late stages of Meccan life, when the Quraysh were really persecuting the Muslims, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu also wanted to do hijrah to Habasha, to Abyssinia. So he left Mecca. And 
on his journey, he met someone who said to him, Whither, O Abu Bakr? So he told him that my people, the Quraysh, are persecuting the Muslims and they will not leave me alone. I wish to leave the land and travel. He didn't tell him where, but I wish to travel so that I may be alone and worship my Lord in peace. So that person told him he was influential. He said to him, O Abu Bakr, the city of Mecca cannot drive away someone like you. The likes of you cannot be removed or banished from the city of Mecca. And then he said to him, For you, you bond the ties of blood. And you give and provide to the poor, needy and destitute. And you bear the burdens of people. And this was a non-Muslim. And you show great hospitality to the guests. And you assist others over the misfortunes and calamities of fate. Come, let me take you back to Mecca and I will grant you my protection. Ibn al-Dughunna. The man was Ibn al-Dughunna. So Ibn al-Dughunna brought him back to Mecca and informed the whole of the Quraysh in the Haram that Abu Bakr is under my protection. And that how can you... Mecca is a poorer city without him. How can the likes of him be driven away by you? But Ibn al-Dughunna, without ever knowing or hearing what, even though he was a non-Muslim, what Khadijah radiallahu anha has said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the privacy of their home, many, many years before, Ibn al-Dughunna, many miles away in the middle of the desert, he said exactly the same words to Abu Bakr for the two are alike. He, he was fully and totally molded in the character of Rasulullah. He was immersed in the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is why after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away, when Umar radiallahu an raised his hand and said about Abu Bakr radiallahu an, no one, no one, could object, could deny, or even doubt the position of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu as Khalifa to Rasulullah, the deputy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was his true deputy. He was his true successor. And here, when every... Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was slim. He was slim. He looked weak. He wasn't the mighty, sturdy, strong, overwhelming, intimidating, warrior type person. Abu Bakr was calm, softly spoken, humble, more studious and scholarly-like, and slim. Umar towered above him. Many others towered above him in physique. But Allahu Akbar. He had a heart that was molded in the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa When everyone else behaved in one way, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu behaved in another way. Upon the passing away of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa 
The Sahaba radiallahu anhum were lost for words, lost for thoughts. They were shocked. And in their consternation, they didn't know what to do, what to say. Umar radiallahu anhu stood in the masjid brandishing his sword and threatening to kill people if they dared suggest that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa had left the world. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu calmly came, entered the house, bent over Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kissed him on his forehead, calmly spoke, that you are pure in death, you are pure in life. Allah will never give you death again twice. Then he calmly came out, tried to calm Umar radiallahu anhu, he didn't listen because of his hysterical condition at the time. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu faced the people and calmly began speaking. And it was he who calmed and pacified everyone, who brought them all back to reality, and who read the verse of the Qur'an, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلٌ Till the end, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum said, it was as though that verse had never been revealed. He truly understood the, the Qur'an of Allah. He truly understood the words of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Similarly, on that occasion, all the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were immensely angry, enraged. Umar radiallahu anhu went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Then he went to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu gave him an exact word-for-word reply, just as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa had given him. Umar radiallahu anhu then realized, and then qala zuhriyu, zuhri continues, this is the final sentence of this part of the hadith, qala Umar, Umar radiallahu anhu then said afterwards, fa'amiltu lidhalika a'mala, that I then did, performed many deeds because of this. I.e. he regretted, he truly regretted his anger, his passion at the time, and his, and his words with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he used to say after that, that I did so much. He gave charity in the way of Allah. He prayed, he pleaded for Allah's forgiveness, the Prophet's forgiveness sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He emancipated slaves. He gave in charity. He did so much in the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forgive him for his anger and passion on that day and for his even questioning Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And... Indeed, Rasulullah knew better, but of course he was a messenger of Allah. But what was remarkable was Abu Bakr radiallahu that he could also see what the other Sahaba radiallahu anhum could not see. I end with this. Inshallah, we will continue with the remaining part of the hadith next week. But before I end, I'd just like to mention. What then happened with Abu Jandal and Suhail ibn Amr, his father? Abu Jandal remained a firm Muslim. Then two years later at the conquest of Mecca, Suhail ibn Amr, the father, also embraced Islam. But Abu Jandal, he managed to escape before the conquest of Mecca. 
So just a short while after this Treaty of Hudaybiyah, he escaped. And so did many of the Muslims. They escaped. One of them was Abu Basir, radiyallahu He escaped from Mecca, went to Medina. The Quraysh, whoever would go, they would send people, bring him back. And they would taunt the Muslims. They would arrive in Medina. They'd come to the Prophet and say, look, by virtue of our treaty, you have to return them. With great pain, the Muslims had to witness these Sahaba radiyallahu anhu who had made that hazardous journey through the desert and returned them. So Abu Basir was returned. Now Abu Basir was a different kind of person in his own way. So he was returned from Medina. But what he did is that on the journey back, whilst he was being taken back from Medina to Mecca, he, through a ploy, attacked his captors. And then he decided to... He came back to Medina. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is dangerous for us. So Abu Basir anhu said to him, Ya Rasulullah, you have fulfilled your part of the agreement, you've honored it. I came to you, you returned me. But they failed to take me all the way to Mecca. <laughs> so you are free of your obligation. But I won't stay in Medina. So he went and he camped on a, on the, away from Medina at a distance, again near the Red Sea coast. And it was, it was to the west of Medina, but it was close to the route that the Quraysh would take from Mecca to Sham. And there he camped, first of all alone. And then he was joined by another companion, and then another companion. And then they sent word that whoever wants to leave Mecca, they don't need to go to Medina, they just come here. <laughs> so there they formed a band, and then they would attack the caravans of the Quraysh whenever they would go back, go past. And Abu Jandal radiallahu and he also escaped from Mecca, and he joined Abu Basir. And eventually the Quraysh, they were, they were fed up. They came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, look, you know that part of the agreement, we can cancel it now. You just call them back to Medina, don't let them be there. Call them back to Medina, and anyone who comes to you now, fine, we'll let them come to you. So, Allahu Akbar. Abu Basir was a leader of that huge group. According to some reports, they numbered more than 70 by the end. And when they received word that the Prophet ﷺ was calling you to Medina, uh, sadly, Abu Basir was close to his death. So he passed away there, and he was buried there. And he never got to see life with Rasulullah ﷺ in Medina. But Abu Jandal he joined that group, and then he came to Medina. At the conquest of Mecca, his father... Suhail ibn Amr, who was devastated because he had seen both his sons embrace Islam, go against him, go against the way of his family, his forefathers. The first one had fled, the second one had fled, and now Islam had come to his door. He was already in his house, but now he was, it came to his door. But freely he embraced Islam. 
And not only that, but then he himself encouraged others to remain steadfast upon Islam. And he actually said, everything that I have done against Islam, and remember he was an orator, and he said, every word I have spoken against Islam, and my tongue which I employed against Islam, I pray to Allah, that Allah will allow me to do exactly the opposite for the benefit of Islam. And he did, he did. And remarkably, all three, father and both sons, they all died as shuhada in the way of Allah, in years later. Suhail ibn Amr, according to one narration, and definitely Abu Jandal, his son, and his elder son, Abdullah ibn Suhail ibn Amr. So that's what became of Abu Jandal radiallahu And we'll learn more about Abu Basir radiallahu anhu later on in the hadith. By and there, wa sallallahu sallam ala abdihi wa rasulih nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natuwe. This lecture was delivered by Sheikh Abu Yusuf Riyadhul Haq and has been brought to you by Alkotha Productions. For additional lectures and products, please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on 0044-121-771-3777 or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under license by Alkotha Productions, all rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorized distribution, broadcasting or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.